This episode is sponsored in part by Sacred, a not-for-profit that helps improve lives in the rural Mexican communities where heritage agave spirits are made. Since we obtained our official not-for-profit status from the IRS back in 2017, Sacred has gifted more than 32,000 Tobola agave seedlings to families in rural Oaxaca. These families are finding their cultural heritage at risk as access to agave is getting harder and harder due to the global explosion of interest in mezcal. Even as we continue to expand this program, we've also recently helped to launch a program that will build out three greenhouses in rural Jalisco to help protect four at-risk varieties of agave and three at-risk varieties of trees, while at the same time preventing these rare wildlands in Jalisco from becoming still more Blue Weber farms. To learn about these and other programs, visit sacred.mx. That's sacred.mx. If you love heritage agave spirits, please consider helping us protect that cultural heritage with a tax-deductible donation this holiday season at sacred.mx. Hey, Chicago, there's a gallery show going on that you won't want to miss. It's called Agave, and it features artwork made primarily from agave fibers left over from mescaleros in Oaxaca. I say primarily because there's also a musical instrument that looks something like a didgeridoo, but made from the heart and quixote of a madraquiche. Buy that and record a version of our theme song with it, and we'll feature it on this podcast. Agave will be on display in the Chase Gallery at the Epiphany Center for the Arts from now until April 9th. And every first Thursday, a different agave spirits company will be on hand to sample out some of the liquid agave art that we love so much. For details, visit epiphanyshy.com. That's E-P-I-P-H-A-N-Y-C-H-I dot C-O-M. Or... Follow the link from this episode page at agaveroadtrip.com. Hope to bump into you there. I'm Lou Bank. I am Chawa Periwan. And this is Agave Road Trip, the award-winning podcast that helps Gringax bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits, and rural Mexico. And whenever we have Dr. Ryan Acock on, also helps them understand how to keep their customers out of the emergency room. And alive. And I'm Ryan. Oh, wait, you guys already said that. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Hi, Ryan. Hey, Ryan. It's always a pleasure to have you here. So today... We are discussing something that caused me multiple nightmares for not only one week, for a number of weeks. So I am very happy we're doing. Wait, 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 wait! I don't think I don't think Ryan can help you at all with all of the STDs that you've uh, you've managed to contract over the years. Well, Is that what you're talking about, no, Java? No, I'm talking about something very specific. We presented this in the tales of the or cocktail. getting married. He can't help you with getting married at all. That also I know keeps you up with nightmares. Yes, yes. Thank the Lord you can, Ryan. Uh, and and you're in Florida, so I'm guessing that's double scary. Getting married in Florida. That'll be, I don't know, that's a serious nightmare for me. But talking about more specific things, <laughs> what? What, Lou? Like, can you imagine? It's like getting married in Acapulco. Hey, Ryan, if 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 you and Jennifer got married in Florida, I apologize for my co-host. Even if you didn't. I don't know why he's being so mean to Florida. Well, I don't like the beach. I just don't like you the know beach. My, do you know Connie comes from Florida? Do you know that Connie is a product of Florida, my beautiful wife, Connie? Hey, all I'm saying is I don't like the beach. Like, the worst 
holidays for me happened. Did you just week. call my wife a beach? No, it's just how we pronounce. <laughs> it's a pronunciation problem, Lou. Uh, I, I don't okay. know how to, yeah, do that distinction. Anyway, okay. so so our first <laughs> presentation with Ryan, this is how we get derailed, right? Our first presentation with Ryan was at Tales of the Cocktail, and it gave you nightmares, Chava. Yes, because, and, and I think our listeners are very lucky because this is, this doesn't have any images. So do not Google what we're going to talk about. And what we're going so to, I'll add images to the web page no, for the episode. No, no, no. We're going to get shut down if you do that. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about something that doesn't seem that scary. It's actually it looks very sexy when you look at the pictures that they that they take of this thing, which is dry ice. So Ryan, can you tell us a little bit of why dry as ice was able to give me some many nightmares? Yeah. So. Dry ice, or its cousin in cocktails at least, liquid nitrogen, both give very vivid, uh, graphically beautiful cocktails with smoke billowing out of them, and they, they make for fantastic Instagram pictures. The problem with both of these products is that they are too cold. That's just as simply as possible. Is they, are, mm. they are far too cold, and so if a bartender works with dry ice or liquid nitrogen and a consumer then drinks that, they're going to be in for a world of problems. And there are a few of them that we discussed back when we did our Tales of the Cocktail lecture, and we've got plenty more things that we can talk about with all the bad things that happen with dry ice and with liquid nitrogen. So ju just to get a fine point of that, Ryan, usually yeah. why will a bartender use dry ice or liquid nitrogen? It's not an ingredient into the cocktail, right? Right. So you It's never used to be an ingredient in the cocktail. Yeah, you're not going to taste either one of those things. The reasons to use dry ice or liquid nitrogen is so that you can, in theory, cool and chill your cocktail without diluting it. So you're not having mm. ice melting, you're not diluting your cocktail. And, and those are two of the positives. And then the other positive, it's like we said, it's, it just looks cool to have all that mm. smoke coming off your drink. So bartenders like using it, but there are problems. First is to the bartender themselves. So if a bartender is working with dry ice and is chopping it up, those little shavings of ice can go everywhere. And so I found a case report that talked about a person getting dry ice in their eye Ooh. and causing Ooh. an injury to their no. eye. No, yeah. so, so glasses, gotta... glasses, if you are chopping dry ice, wear some nice goggles, even if you look silly, right? That's the first R precaution. Right. So if you're, if you're working with this stuff and you're spilling it everywhere, some kind of safety eyewears <laughs> is definitely in order. Because otherwise you will get what freezer burn on your eyes? What is yeah. what like? What is the oh, actual? No, no. Yeah. So you're. So it's it's, it's hypothermia. So you chill down no. your tissue so much that it becomes essentially a burn, and so now you've burned a hole in your eye no. because you've got a dry ice in your eye. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus Christ! Look at that. You know what? I kind of love this, Ryan. It turns out that Chava doesn't even need the pictures. Yeah, that, like <laughs> your like your your words are worth a thousand pictures. <laughs> Man, it's just I'm imagining these faces of people that get frostbite in the Everest and stuff, and you know, on their skin that looks terrifying. I cannot imagine that in your like on in your eye. Jesus Christ. No, yeah, I, I just do not want to imagine that. So that's the yeah. first level of danger, Christ. Yeah, so you mentioned frostbite to your skin. That's the other thing. So you're, oh. you're not supposed to handle this stuff with your bare skin, and you can injure your skin. Now, granted, you're going to have to have prolonged contact, but you can. And the other problem is if you put this in your mouth, and there are some oh. people who try to do tricks with dry ice by putting it in their mouth so they can blow smoke 
Well, if it touches your tongue too long, you're going to burn your tongue or your lips or anything else in your mouth. And, and it's going to cause significant problems down the road. Well, significant problems being... Yeah, gangrene. I just I want to see if we can get Chava to... Wait, what? Yeah. So you, you're burning your tongue. And if you do it long enough, just like those climbers in Mount Everest who get gangrene of their fingers and toes, in theory, you can get gangrene of the tip of your tongue or part of your lip. Yes. So get, when you say gangrene, that just means you have to adjust. That means you have to remove the tip of your tongue. Uh, yeah? You might. Yeah, you might just have to go for that. Okay, that's it. Wow. Okay. That, that's it. That's it. That's all I can take. Can we move on to the next level <laughs> of, of problems that dry ice can take? And it's going to get bad again later on, but just give me a moment of peace. Uh, let's talk sure. about what happens if it evaporates and during a close Yeah, space. so... Right. So liquid nitrogen is around negative 300 degrees. So it, it evaporates quickly when it's in room air. Mm. And that's kind of where that smoke effect comes from is because it's pushing out all that air. Same thing happens with dry ice. It sublimates and you've got this effect of, of uh, rapid expansion of smoke. Well, any kind of rapid expansion in a closed environment is called an explosion. It's how a bullet works, how gunpowder works, it's how rockets work. So you've got a rapid expansion of some kind of liquid or solid into a gaseous form. And now you've got an explosion. So if you drink liquid nitrogen and it rapidly expands in your stomach and in your esophagus, you can cause an explosion in your stomach. <sighs> and I found several case reports of people who would ingest liquid nitrogen and they blow a hole in their stomach and now they need emergency surgery to either repair that hole or in some cases, one person lost the entire stomach. No. So oh, there is a, Jesus. There is a oh, case report man. coming out of England that said an 18-year-old woman went to a bar drank a cocktail that had residual liquid nitrogen in it. She blew off her stomach, and then she had to have major surgery to take out part of her stomach as a result. And so that's now a significant lifelong disabling injury that came from using liquid nitrogen because you wanted to not dilute your cocktail as a bartender. Oh, I know. And wow. Okay, so, like, okay, that that's, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry for the pun, but that's definitely blowing my mind uh, in the worst of possible ways. And I... Why Why does that happen? Like, is there a responsible guideline or a benchmark of how not to get residual uh, nitrogen in, in, in your cocktail? Yeah, so the easiest thing is not to work with it. But there are people who are going to. And so for those people who, who are going to insist on using liquid nitrogen, there's the Dave Arnold method. So he talks about using liquid nitrogen to chill the cup only. for your. So you chill your glassware and then you pour out whatever liquid nitrogen is left. And then you separately build your cocktail like you normally would in a shaker with ice. And then you pour it into that now chilled cup. So you're not using liquid nitrogen to make the cocktail. You're using your liquid nitrogen only to chill your glassware. And that's it. And and what will be the, hmm. like, I, I know I, I'm pretty sure this is a rather stupid question, but what is the difference of using the liquid nitrogen to chill your glass instead of putting the glass in a freezer for a while? Does it, cannot make it go colder really like if you get a freezer that is cold enough they'll be the same no <laughs> is is it just an issue of planning like somebody <laughs> like chava who doesn't always plan everything out would say yeah i didn't put any in the freezer i'm just gonna go ahead and use the liquid nitrogen no so here in the u.s a freezer might be at zero degrees fahrenheit and liquid nitrogen is going to be at you know negative hundreds of degrees fahrenheit and so in theory yes you can make your glassware colder temporarily by pouring liquid nitrogen on it it's going to rapidly heat back up yeah. so your your point remains of 
why not just put it in the freezer? Yeah, yeah, because it's gonna come back to like to a very similar temperature. Yeah, that it will be if it was in the freezer within I don't know seconds, but very rapidly while you're preparing your cocktail, right? It's gonna be in a in a similar place than the freezer uh, cold glass. You're correct. Yes, it's going to the temperature effect from putting your glassware in the freezer and pouring liquid nitrogen on it are going to be pretty negligible to the final result of the customer drinking from a cold glass. The, the, there, are, there are other other reasons why people might want to use liquid nitrogen over a freezer. So one is freezers take up a lot of space. And if you're a high volume bar and you're, you're going to try to keep all your glassware in the freezer, that may not work out from a feasibility standpoint. And the second is it just looks cool. You've got, all got this smoke that's pouring off the glass while the bartender is making the cocktail. So the, the customer gets to look at this visual effect that's happening on the glassware while the bartender goes and makes the drink. So yes, I get it. There are definitely reasons why bartenders want to use liquid nitrogen. I would say don't do that, but I understand <laughs> no, why they it, are. It's just stomach explosion, man. Stomach explosion, not cool. Yeah. That's, yeah. That, that's a reason to never ever drink anything at a bar again if they might use it. Um, so, <laughs> you know, you're, you're talking about, in essence, frozen nitrogen and frozen CO2, well, right? Liquid. Well, liquid, yeah. You're, uh, I'm you're sorry, gonna, liquid, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah liquid, frozen liquid. carbon dioxide and, and liquid nitrogen, yes. Yeah, are, are there any other gases that you could work with that wouldn't be dangerous that you can take to a lower temperature? That would not be dangerous? No. So yeah. the whole reason these gases get to be liquid is because you're having to get them really cold. So even if you use something else like liquid helium or liquid oxygen, which <laughs> is very explosive or any number of other things, there's a reason why they're in liquid form is because they're super cold and they're super dense so that they're going to expand. So they're going to freeze your tissue and expand and possibly explode your stomach if you drink this. Man. So keep your gas at room temperature <laughs> is the is the lesson, really. Right. Yeah. Man. Except so, unless you're Dave Arnold and you really know what you're doing. Right. And, and I'm sure he does. And I'm sure the bartenders he teaches know what they're doing. I would not expect every bartender out there to know what they're doing when working with liquid nitrogen or solid carbon dioxide. And, and, and I guess it's irresponsible for us to say, like, don't drink cocktails that, are, that involve liquid nitrogen because there's so many dangerous things in this planet. When you have a competent professional that is an expert in handling that, it becomes rather unlikely that they might be dangerous, right? And uh, yeah. like, like raw fish <laughs> could be a great example of something that can be very potentially dangerous, but in the hands of very good professionals can be delicious and great. So it's not a call to say, don't drink cocktails that involve liquid nitrogen, but more if you're a bar that is interested in implementing this into your cocktail preparations, just be aware that it's not something to joke about. It's not something that you can just implement from one day to the other. You need some very rigorous training, some very rigorous ways of implementing that into your bar. No, Ryan? Uh, at least that's what I get. Yeah, and so, right, this is not a lighting effect that you just turn on and turn off so you get the visual effect. This is a dangerous substance that when I was in graduate school, we had to wear proper clothing with eye protection and with, with sometimes face protection and big gloves, and we had, to, we had to announce to everyone, I'm going to turn on the liquid nitrogen tank right now so that everyone else could leave the area because there are real consequences that comes from working with this stuff. 
It's funny if you if you think about the, you can get these certifications now that you're a mescalier, um, <laughs> that you know you're you an expert in in all of like in, in agave spirits. Really, like, does that matter? I want if I'm going to have a cocktail from someone, I want to know that he's an expert in not making my stomach explode. Yes. That's what I want to know. Absolutely. That's the cert- certificate I want to see behind the bar. Yeah, and Java, you mentioned this is this is rare. And and yes, it is very rare. There's a reason why there are only a few published case reports out there of people being injured from li- drinking liquid nitrogen. So I'm sure there are a whole lot more bars out there using it and using it safely. And you have that rare, unfortunate event like what happened in the UK of that woman whose stomach exploded at the age of 18. So that, that absolutely, yeah, it's a rare event. So I wouldn't expect to to go to a bar and consume a smoky cocktail, and then all of a sudden I'm in surgery two hours later. Jesus Christ. You were also telling us uh, about another danger for bartenders with dry eyes, which is CO2 yeah. displacing oxygen in a small room. Can you tell us a little bit more right. about that, Ryan? Yeah, so carbon dioxide expands when it when dry ice gets wet or, or starts to come to room temperature, and the same thing happens with liquid nitrogen. So Gaseous nitrogen is about 700 times the volume of liquid nitrogen. So you think one milliliter of liquid nitrogen is going to get converted to 700 milliliters of gaseous nitrogen. So if you're pouring this stuff into a room to start working with it, all of a sudden that gaseous nitrogen is going to push out whatever oxygen is in its way. And so if you're a bartender or if you're somebody who's working with with liquid nitrogen, you can get into a lot of problems with not being able to breathe. So there are a few case reports of people who have gotten really sick or have died from asphyxiation by working with something like dry ice, because now I'm in a freezer that's an enclosed area. I'm working with my dry ice. My dry ice is coming to room temperature and it's now displacing all the oxygen in the air. And so there've been a few case reports of people dying from working in enclosed areas with dry ice, particularly. Jesus. Hmm. Is that is that also an issue, a potential issue, when you're using um, uh, nitrogen on your tap? Like if you've got nitrogen infused beer, like you normally have, then an actual like tank of nitrogen, right? Yeah, but I'm I'm pretty, but that tank should not be liquid nitrogen. That tank is just pressurized gas, mm-hmm. and so it's not going to right. be that cold, and it's not going to be. Uh, taking up that little volume, what you're looking for with with something like Guinness or with some kind of beer that's got nitrogen on tap is you're just using the pressurized gas to form some bubbles in your drink. Yeah, you're not you're not gotcha. having the liquid itself, which is the right. thing that it's tricky because it's expanding aggressively. There you just have the gas, which is a ready gas. Yeah, liquid nitrogen is actually quite hard to get a hold of. You have to go to a specialty supply store to get it. You have to have a special thermos that can hold it. So most places aren't even going to be able to get their hands on it and store it in their restaurant or their bar. It's just not going to happen. What you're referring to, Lou, is more just a tank of of compressed air. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I think, unless, do you have anything else that uh, that keeps you up at night, Chava? Man, I really want to finish this episode as soon as possible. <laughs> like, I just, I, <laughs> like, if I have any other question, it's just going to traumatize me further. So, like, yeah, let's just wrap this up, please. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much for joining us again, Dr. Ryan Acock. What, 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 what did we decide we were calling you? The Cocktail MD. (laughs) Yes. Cocktail MD. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you, Cocktail MD. And we'll catch you in another few weeks. Fierro. All right. Thank you, guys. Adios, Ryan. Adios, Lou. Bye. 
This has been Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about agave spirits. Your hosts are Lubank and Chava Periban. Sound engineering by Roy Sierra. Theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Mark Rico. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, recommend it to your enemies. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Lou is in charge of our social media. So if he happens to sound like an old man, forgive him. He is one. Agave Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pitbulls, Inc. Agave Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Network newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without support from listeners like you. Become a part of the food world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like. Tell your friends. And please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive. Programming you here on Heritage Radio Network can drive you to eat, drink, and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If it drives you to drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly. Eat responsibly too. And listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly. To listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly, wear protective earbuds. While wearing protective earbuds, do not drive or walk. Sit in a comfortable chair. If that comfortable chair has a hard seat, please remember to get up and stretch every 30 minutes. If you get up and stretch every 30 minutes, do not stretch beyond your abilities. Stay within your defined stretching capacity and consult a doctor who specializes in stretching. If you do not have a doctor, listen to all the shows on the Heritage Radio Network. There has to be at least one doctor among the Heritage Radio Network podcast hosts. Thanks for listening. Agave Road Trip out. Good food is worth a thousand words. This is Arthi Menon, and I'm delighted to share a new podcast with you. My Family Recipe from Food 52 and Heritage Radio Network. Adapted from Food 52's much-loved column of the same name, the My Family Recipe podcast will bring its pages to life. Each episode of My Family Recipe brings you a cherished heirloom recipe and the story behind it, from voices across the world of food. We'd open these tubs of dough and they would exhaust these incredible yeasty fumes and it just smelled like nothing else. It was so intoxicating. I'll interview writers and chefs, parents and children, about what's passed down along with the foods that we know and love. Chinese people aren't like born with a download on how to like velvet chicken. You know, like that's not something that just like comes to you. Listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts.